It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they're just going out of a limo or just going out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you. Because that's New Orleans and this is happy hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleans in a bar today, we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, which is a couple of blocks down from Napoleon Avenue. <laughs> right across from the European Wax Centre, and they have a four-hour happy hour here every single day from 3 to 7 o'clock in the evening when uh, drinks are half price and bar food is half price as well. If you can't be bothered waiting for that, stick around for the next hour because we have happy hour right here. This afternoon, I have a bunch of whole fabulous guests. This is the very last show of 2018. Andrew Duhon, how are you feeling? I feel, yeah, I feel great. I, let's go with fair. Fair? Yeah. What, what's the mitigating factor? What's wrong? Physical heartburn? or... I think it's, yeah, it's heartburn. It's probably heartburn. Heartburn. What <laughs> yeah. did you have for lunch? Uh, nothing. You know what it is? No food. I made some salsa verde, and I think I put too much jalapeno in there, so I think ah, I'm just still feeling that. That'll do it to you. Yeah. 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 That's bad news. Uh-huh. Well, hopefully you can take something for that. What about some uh, club soda and bitters from the bar here? It's what are you drinking? Half price. This is a Buffalo Trace and ginger beer. Oh, actually. that'll fix it, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's got fine. ginger in it as well. Yep. Hey, so, so Brent Arsement is here as well. Brent has I two am. T's. Two. Why yeah. do you have two T's in Brent? You know, that's a... That's a uh, it's a good question. Um, I already started off it, with a good question. It, 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 every, it, it's a great question. Um, Thank you. Because it really, uh, it really doesn't matter. Brent, one T, Brent, well, two what, T's. What made your parents put two T's? Is it yeah, a family yeah, thing? No, or? no just, just special. Just think it just, just special. Just makes it different. Just, yeah. Okay. Just, you know, Did yes. you ever ask them why would you put two T's in my name? Out? Um, no. I have not. Do we have but, their? Are they so, still uh, with us? Your parents? Yeah, are they still no, they're, both alive? they're here. I don't know if they're watching right now. Well, but, can uh, we find out? Call them up. Yeah. Why, uh, how, well, why is there two T's? Yeah. I in, mean, in, I can't in, believe in that name. you haven't asked your parents. And how old are you? Forty, say? Uh, forty-five. Forty-five. I just turned Jeez, forty-five. You look great. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, man. How did you do that? And you're a you're a drummer. I am a which drummer. Which is, yeah. I guess, maybe it's the exercise. It could be. Brent, you've been a drummer for some incredible people, including Fiona Apple. Yes. And a whole and live. You were in live. I did for a very short short period of time. I did a uh, a tour. A tour with live. Mm-hmm. So you're, yeah, you're yeah. the real deal. Well, I, I don't know if real deal is the. <laughs> oh, well, I, I can take that back if you like. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I. Um, uh, it, well, funny enough, uh, Dennis Rodman, uh, the basketball player, is actually one of one I of my best a, friends. Huh. And, uh, is he really? He, yeah, he's actually okay. the one that got me the gig. Do you know Kim Jong Un? <laughs> I do not. Because yeah. Dennis okay. Rodman does. We're going to get does. on to Dennis Rodman in just a minute. <laughs> okay. Tom McDermott was also a musician. Do you know Tom, by the way? I, I've heard of Tom's name many times in many circles, but I've never, oh. I've never Tom, met Tom. Tom, welcome to Happy Hour. Well, oh, thank you for having me. Tom is one of the preeminent piano players. Like, how can you not know who he is? I'm asking myself it, the same question. First of all, you don't know why there's two T's in your own name, <laughs> and now you don't know Tom McDermott. Strangely, he also has two T's in McDermott, correct? That is true, and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> so that's a traditional spelling of McDermott, though. It is two T's, but all what I want to know is, what is the difference between eminent and preeminent? I mean, is it uh, your somehow, I don't know. I've never wondered. I've never what is the difference? That. I don't know. I think I'm, they mean different things. I don't know if eminent is a word. Em- eminent. Eminent <laughs> is a word, eminent. meaning something that's oh, going to happen. Right. That's right. But eminent, I think, is not a word. Preeminent means fabulous. Doesn't huh. it? 
I do God, now, now I'm, uh, you got me thinking now. Well, this is why it up. before the happening, so it's cool. <laughs> this is why we have C-Rock here will tell us if imminent is a word. Katie Sakura is here. Hi, Katie. How Hi. are you doing? Just one T. One Katie in the middle of Katie. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sakura is an interesting name. S-I-K-O-R-A. Where's that from? It's Polish. Um, there was a Z in there at some point. That oh, like after the S, I suppose. Way. S-Z-I. I believe so, yeah. So it was like, used to be like Shikora or something. That sounds cool. Not mm. the, I don't have the greatest Polish accent. but. Does anyone in your family still speak Polish? My dad does, and then all the people that live in Poland. Well, they all speak Polish, presumably. (laughs) (laughs) Is your dad himself from Poland? No, both my parents were born in England. um, Because both sets of parents ended up there after the war. Wow. Had both my mom and dad, and then separately, both families ended up in Chicago. But there's a big Polish community in Chicago. There's a huge Polish community. Um, I'm not sure what it's like today with, you know, transplants everywhere. Um, But there used to be a time where Chicago was the, you know, the next largest population of Polish people outside of the country. Outside of Warsaw. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But that's, that may still be, actually. That's another I, again, thing. Again, it's C-Rock. possible. I just didn't want to quote a C-Rock, <laughs> stat C-Rock that I can have. tell us. Now, you're a photographer. Mm-hmm. And when did you move to New Orleans? Almost five years ago. It'll be five years in May. Did you move here to take photos or did you move here for some other reason to get away from the cold? Uh, it was mostly impulse. It was kind of your quintessential New Orleans story of came down to visit a friend and then about a month and a half later moved all my stuff down yeah um so no not for photos not for anything really just for a little bit of an adventure but it stuck so you're here how's it working out well who were you taking photos of mostly a lot of preeminently but a lot of musicians um you know like most artists anywhere um there's a lot of different things that I do day to day to, you know, pay the bills. But uh, music photography, I'd say, is, is the one that I feel the most feelings for. Who's paying you for that? It's <laughs> <laughs> an excellent, excellent question. Sometimes you got to get creative with how to, how to get paid. But um, no, you know, if you, like myself, you know, just grind and work at your brand you know you can you can eke it out and yeah like i said just getting creative with other right. methods of money your making. other thing that you're doing is super cool i think it's what is it called the sexism project, project. or it's yeah. called the sexism project yeah and it got its name because we just kept we didn't know what to call it we just kept calling it the sexism project so well anything with sex that. in it is going <laughs> to sell have you found that to be true um well we're not really trying to sell anything so <laughs> i'm sure maybe but uh, that's not really the goal. It's it's mostly a, a platform for women, um, women with an X in this context, uh, can come and tell their stories about their personal experiences and their personal viewpoints on the matter of sexism. And um, I think that's been really cool to both listen to and be a part of because it's it's a topic that everybody has different kinds of feelings about um and so it's been really it's fascinating to provide to, that platform it's a fascinating uh website actually did you guys notice that or was it just yeah, i heard something a little what wrong. is going on there it's a fascinating website do you ask these are you the interviewer i am and are you recording these interviews yes and what are you doing with the recordings? I listen to them and transcribe them, which is a You're the, painful You sit there process. transcribing every... Why don't you... Because the, I must say, you are a talented interviewer. You Thank might you. like to take over this whole show, actually. <laughs> I'll leave that to you. I'll leave that Would to you. you. I'll come on and uh, visit. But. Uh, those interviews are really great. Thank I mean, you. they're really first-class interviews. They really ask great questions of people, of all these women, all these different women from different walks of life, 
mm. and all these different stories. And the questions you ask them are really searching and interesting. Thank you. Not Thank just, you very much. Yeah, but I was thinking, would it be great to hear those interviews? It would. The reason I don't, we don't publish the uh, audio interview up to this point is because in many of them, there is classified information that classified is off the record for the, how it's presented to the public. Can't um, you edit that out, though? Yes, um, but we haven't gotten that far yet. You know, we're a small team. It's a scrappy organization. And, so you know, we're, we're, we're working our way toward higher levels but, of But the classified product. information is, is offered at the... No, no. It's, it's information that level. the subject might <laughs> say in the course of their interview, but not want right. to put out in the public. It's a, lot, it. of, it's yeah, a lot of hard stories that mm -hmm. are being told. Yeah. That's really yeah. they're really great interviews, but you could give them a tra like a uh, you know a what's the co like a copy an audio copy of it and say what what can't we say and then take it out. Yeah, I'll usually go through transcribe it and then send them the full transcription and let them interview. I'm sorry, edit the audio. I'm and sorry, interview. They, so they they'll look at the they'll <laughs> look at the your transcription and then they can take out the text that they. And don't how often there. do people yeah. do that? A handful of times, you know, most people. Uh, if they do end up seeing something they dislike or don't want, decide they later don't want in their interview out, you know, in the internet sphere, uh, they just, you know, text right. me and then I take it out. That's the beauty of so the, the first, internet these days. The first ones I saw were were basically musicians, I think, women musicians. Mm -hmm. And then the second round of people seemed to be people in the sex industry. Yeah, the sex trade. Strippers and hookers and so on. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was a strange question to ask someone, have you ever encountered sexism as a hooker? Well, I mean, in every, in every single energy, uh, industry that we are going to cover, um, there is going to be sexism because it's everywhere. Yeah, but what um, made you go from musicians to people in the sex working industry? It was actually Next. one of the subjects. Um, we, we closed out the first installment of the project, which, like you mentioned, uh, highlighted females and female presenting individuals in the music community here in New Orleans. And a friend of mine that uh, we both freelance for Anti-Gravity, right. uh, our local newspaper, yeah. she came up to me and told me about all the local and national legislation that is being put out then and still against sex workers and strippers um, and asked if I would consider taking that on as our next installment. And uh, we had already talked about, we as a team, had already talked about what our next installment would be, but it was it was too important. It was too great of a conversation not to have with people. And what was the it's a legislative issue that they're trying to stop the? So the state. locally, a lot of the attacks are against the strip clubs in the French Quarter. Um, they just recently passed uh, legislation that says if you are under the age of 21, you can't work in a strip club, which you know has major civil rights consequences. And earlier this year, they. There's a lot of proposals going on to limit the amount of strip clubs in certain areas, much like the Frenchman issue well, on right. Frenchman, the music club issue on Frenchman. And where are we with that whole discussion now? It's an uphill battle. Um, but has the legislature still, is it still a possibility that that will so happen? So the, the, the legislation that was proposed to limit the amount of clubs, I believe that that is at the moment tabled that was shut down in the spring, um, or that version of it, but they very recently passed through the motion that said that anyone under 21 can't work. And I guess that their reason for doing that is that they're trying to protect young women from being exploited. Is there anything terribly wrong with that there, theory? What, what is the ulterior motive here? The, um, there is a lack of discussion with the 
women and the people that actually work in the industry um, and in conjunction with that proposed legislation. So a lot of it sounds on the outside like it, it, it would be a helpful thing. And, you know, the, hu- the, the, the term human trafficking gets thrown around a lot, and that is obviously a word that triggers most sane people into a negative place, rightfully so, but the presentation of what the people in that industry need versus what um, to like to the outside, well, what, what is, the, the what government is, is telling us isn't actual doesn't line uh, yeah, up with the actual. But needs why does of anybody in Baton Rouge care? Why are they suddenly making this an issue? Um, there's a whole. Well, it's not suddenly. There's been a lot of protests this year, last year. You know, in 2005 when they went through the trick or treat operation, trick or treat, which was just another version of the of the raids on the strip clubs in the French Quarter that have happened this year. Um, it's just a very strategic attacking of a community that is is and has been tied to New Orleans culture forever and it's it's uh, you can read in the interviews more of the nuanced like reasoning and what people who actually work in these jobs and in this industry are feeling and think of these you know protections and uh, it's not it's it's not what they're saying it is but what is the ulterior motive what are they trying to get out of it I mean, is it just a sort of a, a conservative, religious, moral objection? There's a lot of that. Um, I'm still learning a lot about the history of this battle um, and of the... Yeah, you must be learning a lot about it. Oh, yeah, it's been a crash course, and I still have a great many things to learn. Are you thinking learn. about being a stripper ever? Uh, you know, I will keep that information to myself. Um, <laughs> okay. But, you know, it is... Uh, I, it's not something that I think would be a bad thing if that was a decision I decided to make. I would be very proud. Um, and even if, it, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on the way, aside from all the legal stuff, there's a lot of different opinions currently about um, the way strip club, strip club culture and sex work culture is presented in, you know, um, the po- in popular culture. So you, right. have, you have a lot of, you know, fashion now reflecting... Um, clothing and attire that is worn in strip clubs and you have, you know, young girls like myself or younger or older buying, you know, the clear heels, the really long nails, um, the kind of harness style outerwear that's fashionable right now and that's all what, of that. That's what Tom's wearing. <laughs> it looks great in it also. Um, and that's, you know, that's really popular right now. It's really fashionable. It's really cool to, to align yourself with that. But then you also have a lot of those same people, you know, going and in their day-to-day conversations saying things along the lines of like, oh, well, I don't think it's wrong, but I would never choose it for myself. Like that, uh, And that separation, that classlessness is is what is truly detrimental right. to the industry and the people that work in it. Um, Tom, have you ever played on Bourbon Street? <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, I had a very good gig many years ago uh, at a club that's no longer there called Lulu White's Mahogany Hall. Oh, yeah, that's gone. Which was formerly, yeah, that that ended in 1992. (laughs) And before that, it was the Paddock Lounge, which was sort of a historic Dixieland place. I played there with the Dukes for two years, and every once in a while I play the Maison Bourbon, which has trad jazz, and uh, Fritzl's, which has right. uh, trad jazz, in both places, seven nights a week. Do you, so, do, you do solo piano there? Do you sit there? No, the, no, no, it's a band. with the band, with yeah. the Dukes of Dixieland. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, the early gig was with the Dukes, but right. I haven't who been a Duke since the ni- right. 90s. So who are you with now? 
Well, I've had a long time gig with Aurora Neeland at Bufa's. Um, she travels a lot. I travel a bit too, and we cover for each other when we, we're not there. Um, I have a solo gig at Three Muses. I play once every couple months at Snug Harbor. I play at the Starlight. I play at uh, the Bywater Bakery. You know, everywhere. Wherever. Oh, right. Well, not everywhere, but, you know, <laughs> right. I don't play at the Maple Leaf, for instance. Do you ever, <laughs> except except this this coming week, I will, for Booker's birthday. But. Oh, cool. oh, yeah. As Booker's birthday is in December as well. What date is that? I think it's the 17th. That's weird, because Professor Longhead's birthday is the 19th. Yeah, they're all I together. There's a, ne- there's a Neville in there, too. Wow. Know? Are you playing at the Professor Longhead yeah. thing as well? Mm-hmm. So you're doing two, two of those in a week? Well, there are just not that many people who are doing this stuff. Well, so. there aren't that many people who can play piano like you, that's for sure. There's like You can count them on one hand, and you still have a couple of fingers to spare, actually. To play the bass line with, with the other hand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. aren't that many people in New Orleans. I mean, are there people coming up after your generation? Yes, definitely. Uh, are there young kids? I mean, there's you and John Cleary. Now, there's a guy named Josh Paxton who's really dug oh, yes, into it, true. and he's transcribed a lot of the stuff and had, had the books published. Uh, there's um, a new fellow named Shea Pierre, who I haven't heard yet, who evidently has a very good Booker thing. Um, Paul Longstreth. I mean, they're people. Are these young people? Like in their 20s? Maybe 30s, 40s. And maybe there are 20-year-olds as well uh, uh, I that I just don't know, know yet. You right. Because... When did you fi- find out you could play like this? Have you guys ever heard Tom play? I, I have not. I think I have in passing. You have um, you know, there's it. a lot of people that I took pictures of like my first year that I just right. was shooting and I didn't know. So You would have known if you'd heard. <laughs> Tom can play the piano like almost nobody. I mean, there's very few people. Have you ever thought about what constitutes that kind of talent why you can do that and oh well why other people can't? I, I have a feeling starting very young is a big help because uh, right. i was seven and being from a musical family was very important could you sit down and play at seven did people sit down and listen to you at seven and go holy shit this guy can play the piano well that was my first year of piano lessons but i'd say by the time i was 12 people would would say oh you know i was right. playing chopin waltzes and things like that so <laughs> right it's not you've it's got not something. unusual it's not unusual. it's not unusual no i feel i've taken a long time to develop but um that's just the way it was and uh but you can play anything what do you because you're like a class even when you're not playing classical music it sounds classical somehow oh well not in a bad way i don't mean i mean well, in a good I, way it's some sort of a touch you've got that's yeah, I have a, I have, I have facility. I can play lots of notes quickly. Not just that. To. It's not that at all. It's a feel. So I, let's. Well, I, I've really made a point of studying. You know, I moved here in '84, and even before that, I was playing Jiller Morton and starting to learn Professor Longhair and Booker. And I moved here really to really dig in. How did you teach stuff. yourself to play like Professor Longhair? Well, you just listen to the records. Back then, there were no transcriptions. Right. Now you can get a book of... Can you? Oh, yeah. You could teach yourself Longhair. to play piano like Professor Longhair. You, you can read the music. And, but I have a that feeling that really when you have to do the work yourself, it's, it yeah. gets in there deeper. Right. Hey, what do you feel like playing? We have a piano sitting right here. Well, I could play Tipitina for you. Whatever you feel like. You can play anything you want. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want a three-minute tipatina or a five-minute tipatina? Three would be better than five okay. in this case, I okay. think, probably. Let me do that. You can play anything you want. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Is that sick or what? That's great. That is such, that's it's so such great. a brilliant piece of music, too. You know, what's funny is uh, John Groh had actually posted a video uh, last week. He was, I saw he, that. You see In that fact, video I was, that I was working on trying to steal some licks from that <laughs> performance. Yeah, yeah. He, he, and he's another guy that's, that's just great with that style. Yes, and that's, just, that's always been one of my favorite New Orleans-style piano songs. Do you yeah. play it's the piano, just, too, Brent? Right? I do, a little bit, yeah. Can you play anything like that at all? Not that good. No. <laughs> but are you in the well, same? I play no drums at all, so you're, <laughs> you're, safe you're ahead. Yeah, it, I actually, well, I started piano when I was around 10 or 11, mostly to facilitate a, a writing tool. Right. Um, I did take some formal lessons, but it, it, it was mainly, you know, as I got older and progressed was more of a, an, an instrument to be able to, to write. What made you move to drums? Well, I was always a drummer. My dad is a drummer. My dad was a local New Orleans musician for years. He played uh, in Lee Dorsey's band. He was in Lee Dorsey's touring band for, from, you know, like 1977 to when Lee died, like in 86. That must have been a hell of a life. Was he on the road a lot? Was he gone a lot? He, uh, they, they did a lot of just one-offs, so they were kind of gone on the weekend, and, and they did, actually, funny enough, they did one major tour with The Clash of all bands. So Lee Dorsey, The Clash, were huge Lee Dorsey fans, apparently, at, at this point in time. This was in and around 1982, and uh, they wanted Lee to open. Yeah, the and British uh, New Orleans connection. Right, you know, exactly. It's been going on forever. Well, it's funny because my, my dad told me, you know, the stories about these guys would walk around with, Jam boxes with Professor Longhair blaring. Right. Um, well, they, know, were, a, a they, were long, they were Longhair fans, the guys in The Clash. They were the huge yeah. fan of New Orleans music. So, hence them getting Lee Dorsey to go on a road. So, you dabbing on the road with The Clash. Did he have some good stories about the crazy sex, drugs, and rock and roll? <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember this one story he told me. I think it was, it was the first gig that they did, which was in Philly. And it was they had it, there was a um, a beginning of tour party that they had for the band and the tour and of course they were all invited right so and it, you know I, I guess you would have to put yourself in the situation of of being you know in in the room with these you know, all of these British guys that are you know I mean this is punk rock this is early early 1980s so my dad said the first thing I see when we walk in. There's this big line of television sets all put together with porn, <laughs> war, nuclear explosions, uh, just all of this bizarre footage, uh, women walking around topless, big plates of cocaine on the table, <laughs> everyone has a joint hanging out of their mouth. So he goes, that was my first introduction into... Uh, that was day one. <laughs> that was day one. And that went on for, I believe, like 20 days. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. And he had a wife and kids at home at that point. He did. Do you he have did. brothers and sisters? I have, I have a sister. I have a sister that is uh, eight years younger. What's her name? Lindsay. How many wives at the end of Lindsay? Uh, just one. Just the one. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I'm, the we, one. I'm the different we, one. Did kids. we ever get a hold of Dad? What does he do now, your dad? Is he still playing? My, he actually does still play. He plays in a uh, um, a kind of '60s throwback. <laughs> really? They do all like '60s the hippie type music. But he he's actually a contractor. He's a general contractor. Oh, really? So he got out of the music business. Uh, the business, yeah. Right. Yeah, he did. And uh, but he still plays. He was a huge influence on me. I mean, I remember you know as, as a kid being at C Saint Studios, and watching them record because they were. 
uh, at that time, they were sort of, uh, you know, sort of like the, the, the Funk Brothers um, for this period of time at Sea Saint. So they did a lot of recording with like Huey Piano Smith. Lee, so they were the guys course. in the band yeah. at Sea uh-huh. Saint Studios. So he would go to work every day, basically. He did, yeah. For, that one too soon. For, for several years, they did right. that. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much they got ripped off. I mean, I don't uh, think you made a dollar. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, they sat there and played those <laughs> sessions. They probably got a couple of bucks a day. I don't think they got that. They got nothing? <laughs> they must so. have got paid something. <laughs> Weren't they getting paid a in those days? Tom, you, must, you were almost here then. Well, the thing is, session musicians never got paid part of the right. publishing or right. any of that. And oftentimes they they make the recording. You yeah. know, they're so important to the recording. Well, but that's just the nature of that right. world, you know. Yeah. Well, back in those days. Yeah. I mean when I moved to yeah. LA, you know, I moved to Los Angeles in around nineteen ninety six uh, to you know to pursue a career and, and you know luckily is when I got the audition for Fiona. But as far as uh, like doing sessions, I started doing sessions in and around LA and I was you know getting $250 a day and I thought that was like just amazing yeah and well come to find out you know I mean obviously you know I I was new there no one knew me so I wasn't going to get top dollar I mean no matter how good your skill level is or you know what does a Fiona Apple audition look like what happened you know, it, it, it wasn't much because it was just actually me and the MD. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and this is, uh, this is right before um, Title was released. So that was her first record that had Shadow Boxer. That was her first, first hit. So she was fairly, she, she wasn't very well known yet. That's, um, I had gotten a, a call from a friend of mine saying, um, you know, they offered me this gig with this chick Fiona Apple that Sony just signed, and there she's going to be like their next, their next one. And uh, I can't do the tour because he was actually playing with Beck. He was uh, playing okay. with Beck at the time, and, and he, uh, so he couldn't do the game. So you're really in the circle at this point. Well, I, well, I was starting to to creep in because it's a very very small circle, and it's, you know, it was um, it, it it's it's. There's a lot of luck involved. I mean, there really is, you know. Um, so I, uh, I said, yeah, sure, man. I'll, I'll, you know, I'd only been in L.A. for not even a year. And so, you know, I walk in this room and, and uh, I, I meet this guy and, you know, they'd sent me a demo and I've ripped through the, you know. I mean, it was like the most simplest thing ever. And I walked out of there. I was like, what the shit was that? <laughs> like, that's that really how this works? Like, you know, I'm in L.A. Like, I, 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 I was expecting so much more. But um, <laughs> so that was it. It, was, it wasn't there. Australia so then I got a call. I, you know, I, they, they called me literally a couple hours later saying, all right, man, well, uh, you know, you want to do this? And it's like, sure. So um, did a couple rehearsals. I actually didn't meet her to the first gig. Um, so she, she walks she out on stage. She actually. didn't even show up to sound check, actually. We, uh, <laughs> we just went on stage and actually, blew, you know, went, went through it. And, um, it. But it was an interesting <laughs> experience because... It, it, it gave me a very good uh, picture of, of how things worked in the industry because she started out, we started out playing, you know, venues that were 200, 300 people, you know, not only within a month, two months later, we were, venues were, you know, 1,500, 2,000. Then a couple months after that, it was like, it really started to happen for her. So then... That went on for about a year, and then, of course, the whole she was a huge star at the end of that year. And so, what happens to the guys in the band? Are you getting paid more as the as the show gets more popular? I was making eight hundred dollars a week 
From beginning to end. From beginning to end. They don't so, pay you more when you're in a hit band. Oh, no, absolutely not. Well, the, well I mean, the, the next go around, you know, it's, it, I'm sure the money increased. But, you know, touring, touring musicians nowadays, I mean, unless you're playing in like a legacy act like Styx or Journey or a band like that, you know, you're going to make 1500 bucks, a couple thousand bucks a week, maybe tops. You know, um, which isn't bad. I mean, Sounds that's, okay. That's, that's, that's not bad at all. But you know, compared to you know making four or five grand, or if you play with Paul McCartney and make twenty five thousand a week, which is that what you get if you're that's Paul what, McCartney? That's, that's, that's only what one he, Paul McCartney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that that's what he pays his guys. How do you get into that? Okay. You don't. <laughs> you, Somebody's got to play drums with Paul McCartney. Well, he's actually he's actually had the same band like Abe Arboreal Jr. on drums. Um, you know, Paul Wickens on keys, which is sort of like his MD. He's been there for years, and he's a great you know great player. Um, I mean, he's got a great band. I'm sure you guys have have, have seen Paul, right? I well, assume. Certainly I heard assume. of him, right? You heard of the <laughs> guy, right? The you ever heard of the Beatles? You ever yeah. heard of them? Yeah. Um, but but yeah, but for me, it, it was it was a great. Um, um, a good move to move to LA. You know, my mother actually had remarried and moved there, so it, it, it was it was easy. I had a place to stay. <laughs> right. So, uh, what made you leave and come back here then after all these years of success? I I love New Orleans. I mean, it's where I grew up. Right. You know, this is like my home. This is my hometown, and I've always, uh, you know, I've always planned on moving back here at some point in time. And uh, my wife actually got pregnant again. And we that was your responsibility, it was. I, right? I, I, not I, I did else's. it. No, I okay. did it. Yeah. Not Dennis Rodman. Yeah, no, <laughs> he wasn't involved. How did you? How did you meet Dennis Rodman in the first? Place? I actually met Dennis when I was playing with Fiona. He uh, he was playing in San Antonio uh, at Spurs. He was, okay, he was playing basketball. Yeah, she was, and uh, and we it would be, I don't I don't know, man. We just we we, we hit it off. We became friends, and then. Um, we, well, you yeah, know, that's then just went, too easy, though, isn't it? I, you I know, became friends I, with Dennis I, Rodman. I, I he I, seems to be the strangest person on earth. Dennis, Dennis is, you know, despite what he portrays himself to be publicly, he is one of the best human beings I think I've ever Don't met. Don't tell me it, he's it, just a normal hard. guy, because that would be very No, he's not normal. He's so not normal, it's not even funny. But uh, <laughs> it, it, as far as his antics and what he does is uh, his unconventional ways... But um, knowing him as an individual and, and a friend, he really is. He, he's he's a great guy. I mean, he was you know been one of one of my dear friends for twenty plus years. Does he come and, down to visit you here? Uh, he, he's can't, he's come once. Um, actually, that was last year. He came down, and uh, I'm so happy you have me here because I'm two degrees now from, from Tom, Dennis, Dennis Rodman. From Dennis. Yeah. I mean, I never thought I'd get there. <laughs> yeah, right. and look, well. As he as comes a, back. As a Chicagoan, I'm, you know, yeah. by DNA, have to be jealous of you now oh, that sure. you know him. Yeah, no, he, um, he actually, uh, uh, he's been, a, he's been a really great friend. I mean, actually, I mean, I, 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 I lived with him for okay, about now we're three. Somewhere. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not, not that way. That was actually when, uh, no, I you know, when I, uh, you to be, he went, he went his boyfriend or <laughs> your roommates. We were, we were Dennis roommates. Rodman's roommate. Yeah, we actually he allowed me to uh, to move into his beach house for a few months when uh, I actually split from my my first wife. Well, yeah, I've been married twice. Okay, how long were you married to the first wife? Way too fucking too long. long. Yeah. What took you so long about, to figure that uh, about, out? About about a year. We were married about a year. For one whole year. One 
entire year. That's not that yeah. long. When did you notice it was, it was going off the I hope it wasn't a leap year. What's that? I hope it wasn't a leap year. No, right, exactly. No. Well, what, what month into it did you notice it was going off the rails? Oh, maybe month one. First month? Yeah. How long had you known each other before you got married? Uh, you know, maybe six months, maybe. What made you... It was, well, I was nuts. I Katie, was, you know, I, That's yeah. just... That's impressive. It, to like, yes. Even to think that you know... Like, right, it's brave. Is yeah, I totally. Were you there know, drugs involved? That might explain. <laughs> yeah, I did all kind of drugs. I mean, was I, she as was, high as you? No, she was actually mm. very, very sober. <laughs> okay. And I was, you know, I mean, I was 24 years old, trying to be a rock star and do all those things, and it just wasn't conducive to. Uh, oh, so a, you fucked a relationship. it up. Basically. Well, sure, sure. But um, not really. Well, that's not your real opinion. I, I did, but it was. Uh, she's. She, we just were not good for for one another. Life let's happens. just let's. Yeah. Just, Life okay. So everybody <laughs> went their separate ways. Everybody went their separate okay. ways. We we did have a child together, and I have a wonderful eighteen year old son. He's a brilliant kid. He's he, eighteen already. So this is going back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is yep. he a musician or is he? No, smart he's enough a, to he, move away from. He <laughs> he he didn't go the music route. He's. Uh, um, actually, he's going to be a real estate agent. He's uh, okay. Working. It's a bit with, more uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. He's. He, is he, he here or is he in LA? He's in LA. Going to be yeah. a real estate agent in LA. That might be a handy guy to know. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's. Um, he's actually. He's been interning for the last six months at a at a at a brokerage. And he's studying to get his. He's only eighteen. And he's studying to get his 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 license. And is he going to college or is he not going to? Bother no, with that? no, he's going. Screw like, that. He, yeah, he's just. He's, you know, right. school aren't it isn't for everyone. Right. You know. Well, and, uh, basically nobody. And also, like these days, it's just like it's so optional. You know, as long as you're putting the work in somewhere, you're probably going to be fine. Absolutely. And I mean, you only have fifty thousand debt. Exactly. Yeah, You'd probably be better least. off than the people who do yeah. go to college in that respect. Well, some people are paying 50000 or more a year. I, know. I think yeah, Tulane is like $60,000 a year to get a liberal arts degree. I mean, you think about you that. that. Yeah, and what are you going to do with that? Like really? Be a real estate agent, probably. <laughs> so you could skip the whole thing. Exactly. Hey, Andrew, you want to play something before we get back to Dennis Rodman's story? I'll play you a song. i got to go grab the guitar, though. Can you okay. talk amongst yourselves? Yeah, we can, we can have a slight one more Dennis Rodman chapter before Sweet. you play something. So Sweet. what is he doing with himself now, Dennis? Dennis, um, you know, he just uh, he, he does his uh, appearances. and um, He makes a living out of being Dennis Rodman. He does. He, he, he basically does. That's what he's Dennis Rodman, and people pay him to show up to and events. Do, and what does he have to do when he gets there? Nothing. <laughs> he he just, just has to show he up. Does he have to be and freaky and weird or he, something? Or? No, he, you know, he just he's, you know, takes pictures with some people and, and hangs out, and uh, you know, they, they give him some money, and he leaves. <laughs> what does he look like in real life? Is he like six foot nine or something? It's about six eight. Six eight. Yeah. And does he have that giant thing through he the bottom lip? He certainly every does. Day? Every day. Wow. Okay. He certainly does. And does he have a girlfriend or anything like that? He he's got many girlfriends. Okay. Um, he he was uh, married a couple times, and um, he's got uh, Dennis. I believe he's got four kids, four or okay. five kids. And uh, four or five. All D, right. Well, DJ, who is his uh, his son, that I think believe DJ is um, seventeen, eighteen. Is a brilliant basketball player. Do your I mean, kids, kids know each other? Uh, my son and DJ actually do know each other. Yeah. They do. Mm-hmm. So the 
what's going on with the next generation, the Rodman. Exactly. Rodman Arsman. Rodman hey, what, no, kind Rodman of a, what kind of a name is Arsman? It's spelled A-R-C-E-M-E-N-T. Arsman. It's Arsman, yeah. You know, what does that mean, something? Um, I'm sure it does. I have no idea. I wonder idea why there's not two T's at the end of us. I don't know. We should, we should put, we, we should need do to call. it. We need to, we've got a few people to call. We yeah. need to call your dad about that, and we have to call Dennis Rodman and see when he's coming on Happy We hour. do. That's what, we actually do. Because Tom's coming back for that show, for sure. Okay, Andrew, you good to go? Yeah, sure. Pretty no, good. <laughs> what are you thinking of playing here? Well, are you okay there? You look a little bit Yeah, no, it's fine. I got, I got that there on purpose, actually. Okay. Uh, well, you know, it's uh, all these creatives around the table. It's tempting to play something polished, but... I'll continue. <laughs> I'll continue my streak of playing a new song. Okay. Here's a little something. Can you hear that guitar? There it is. Up on dry land, ghosts come a tumbling over the levee. To you, I reach out my hand. You to me is as far as I can see, rest is pitch black. Just enough to see that I've been blind in all my looking back. Just enough to feel the time stop. Let the healing begin on the nights when the fog rolls in. Remember as a child those nights feeling safe and sound. Smoke billows like a pillow covering up the whole town. Seriously. She wraps herself a shroud around you Quiet as a thief Believes everything right where she found it Oh, so sweet How the haze that blinds us Shines a light within on the nights when the fog rolls in from you to me. This is. 
far as I can see, the rest is pitch black. Just enough to see that I've been such a fool in all my looking back. Just enough to feel the time stop. Let the healing begin. I love the nights when the fog rolls in. Dude, good song, dude. Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks. Well, we got things uh, rolling along at a pretty high musical standard here today on on Happy Hour. That was beautiful. Yeah, that's a great song. Tom, what do you think? I loved it. Thanks a lot, y'all. How Glad old is like, How old is that song? I, it's uh, not. My mom hasn't even. I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Did I, you just write that today or yesterday? I finished it today. Yeah, I guess I started. Yeah, last week. So. You nice. know, that's one thing that I just like. I, I love about the city and, and even moving back here. It's it, it, like come across guys like yourself mm. you know like i you know jack and i that's how I actually right and we know you through jack, jack Neely from the what's the name of the music shed the music shed yeah right. it's a studio that we 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 run and we work out of and and, and jack is actually when i when i moved here I, you know obviously i was looking for someone to form a musical partnership with and and everyone that i asked jack's name came up and so we had kind of we formed a, a partnership and you know, going out and me being back in, in town and going and finding, you know, seeing what's out there and coming across, you know, guys like, like yourself, oh, yeah, singer songwriters. Dozen, dude. That's, well, no, no, no. <laughs> what I mean of, of, of how I'm great everyone yeah. is. Sure. Because, you know, yeah. you think in LA, you know, because I had a studio back in LA too, yeah. and, you know, I would try to find artists to, you know, to produce. And, I mean, it, it would be. Like one out of every hundred that had something that was just remotely interesting. Mm. And here, it just seems like everyone has something. And but I, here's I don't the problem: there are a lot of great performers and songwriters, but there hasn't been anybody since Alan Toussaint who has created something that'll be played 50 exactly. years from now. Not even Harry Connick Jr. or Wynton Marsalis, who are at the very top of their fields, have created a standard. I can't so agree with you more. What's, how do we how do we break that? You know, I, I mean, I think I think people get really jaded because knowing what the business side of things are now, um, that it, it they almost stop themselves, you know, as writers, and, and they write too um, cautiously, you know, in, in regards to, to to their craft and what they're doing, and and, and you know, to cr if you craft a song for something, the, the result isn't going to be. You know, as good as if it comes from another place. I actually you know? have a question for all you musicians on that matter. Do you yeah. feel that, you know, moving out of the city, even after spending significant time here or growing up here, do you think that that move necessarily that some musicians make away from, you know, our lack of industry here, do you think that affects someone's ability to leave 
leave a legacy like the one you're talking about, like a standard, or not well, at all? It hasn't, it, but it does improve your music life in other ways. I mean, Winton and Harry wouldn't be where they were if they hadn't have moved to yeah. New York, of course. But, sure. But I'm, I'm talking about repertory. Sure. And, yeah. uh, I mean, there are pop groups, and, of course, there's the there was the bounce, you know, hip-hop scene, which sure. created its own... You know, will people be doing that stuff 50 years from now? I don't know. Maybe they will. I think there are already, like, rap oldie shows out there. But, sure. But that's not my world at all. Of course. And, you know, I, I'm an old white guy, and it's just not my world. So Yeah, and it's it's become, you know, being, in, being a, a, a producer and being in the studio business, of course, you know, we see a lot of what's out there. And I got to tell you, man, it's, it's, it's impressive of what comes through the studio, of how good a lot of the music actually is, you know, versus what I've seen in other parts right, of the country. But, but what yeah. Tom's question is, I think, is where is it going from there? Well, the New Orleans brand is strong because there's so many players who can go on the road sure. as a New Orleans musicians and make a living. Sure. But at the same time, you know, a lot of them have to play Hey Pocky Way, you know. So, of course. Yeah, and, yeah I mean, as a, of course, as a working musician, it, there's always that rub, <laughs> yeah. you know, of having to, to, to make money and, and have to, having to go out and work. And, and doing, you know, what you got to do to keep your bills paid, and then, you know, then you have your your creative right. side of things, and and you know, if if you can sustain yourself that way. Um, but, but but Tom, but Tom, what are you getting at? What 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 would you like to see going on here? Well, I'd like I'd like to see new standards. But what new, do you mean? I don't what, mean new is, guidelines. I mean new songs, songs that, that are, are written. Stand okay. the test of time. Yeah. You know what's funny is Jack and I were having this conversation the other day. It's almost like you, you couldn't write another Goodbye Yellow Brick Road because no one would fucking get it. <laughs> like, it's, I'm seriously, the, the, the attention span mm. of, I mean, obviously you have your target audiences, right? So, you know. The music that you write, of course, you're, you're not writing it in order to appeal to a certain audience. You write it because it's, it's coming out of you. I'm like saying, okay, I'm right. I'm going to appeal to 25 to, to 35 year olds with, with, with this one that I'm about to start writing. But what I'm talking about is the crafting of that kind of song, the the arrangement, the 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 the, the song, the lyric, in in referencing a classic song. Like yeah, but an Elton John song aren't we living in a world where there are no classics anymore? I mean, you can be a hit, you can have a hit in a genre and be super successful, and the rest of the world hasn't heard of you. I mean, we don't have a classic. There is no, there's no place for a standard anymore, is there? And I think, I, and not. I think because mainly it's just there, it's, the, it's being safe. It's like you know, the for one to find an artist that is capable of producing. A, a song that would be considered a classic song is, you know, there's not that many of them out there. I mean, as far as the artists that we think of, you know, our, our, our Lady Gaga's of the world and, and um, you know, our John Mayer's of the world, if, if you will. You know, now, leading up to what is, would be considered a classic, uh, what, what we, I think what, what we would consider a classic song maybe that's not what someone else would consider of a younger age group because i'm <laughs> i'm with you on that you know the 
Yeah, well, I'm just... That's true. But I'm just thinking of New Orleans. Well, people always come here and want to hear stuff that's at the latest from the 70s. You are, are, you, are you writing current New Orleans piano music? Yeah, I've written instrumentals and educational songs. You want to play one? Yeah, if you want. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, what are you thinking of? What sort of... Oh, I, I wasn't thinking of this as a standard or a pop song, certainly. Right. But I've written... I write my own music. Yeah. yeah. You've written tons of music. I mean, a lot got, of it, yeah. yeah. You've got that beautiful record. What is that record called? All the Keys yeah. and then some? Mm-hmm. That's got some amazing oh, stuff you. on. That is an awesome record. What are you thinking of playing now? That would uh, be a, I'll, a good I'll, example. I'll play a piece called The Gospel Waltz That Wasn't. Okay. What do you call that? The gospel waltz that wasn't. Because it starts off as a gospel waltz and then quickly goes into non-gospel waltz territory. (laughs) But I started out wanting to write a gospel waltz. I didn't know there was such a thing as a gospel waltz. Well, it's usually not instrumental music. Yeah. Do you sing at all? I croak. You do? Once in a while you sing something? Once in a while, yeah. Katie, are you still going out to hear music? You've been here for five years, so you might be still going out to hear a lot of music. I am. I'm going out a lot le- less. Um, 
it's because I'm exhausted all the time. I'm sure you guys know what that feels like. It starts to wear on you after a while. But I was out on Sunday night at Gasa Gasa just down the street checking out Sightsee. They're relatively new. Um, Sightsee, so we should yeah, know about word, them. Yeah, one word, Sightsee, spelled how you think it is. And uh, they're pretty pretty amazing. They're on Spotify and all the different socials. But, okay. Um, it was really cool. It's uh, it's uh, For me, it's, it's really cool to see how... Um, people kind of slightly older than me in my specific age bracket and slightly younger than me are taking their their knowledge and their experience of, of living in New Orleans and going to school in New Orleans and, you know, playing in New Orleans and the educations that come from that and seeing how they adapt that into their music. Um, and finding that thread is, is something that's always really fascinated me since I got here, so... So the site, we should know about Sightsee. Who else? I see you have a, a I'm wearing the Naughty, Naughty Professor, Professor shirt. I was just on the road for them with them for like a month. Really? Um, it was, they were awesome. Those yeah. guys are really talented They're musicians. very talented and just the sweetest dudes you would ever meet. You they went were, out on, for a month with yeah, Naughty so I was Professor. With, well, I was with Naughty Professor, Big Frida, and Tank and the Bingos. That was one, <laughs> that, was a, that was a triple bill? It was one tour. There were like... 35 or 40 of us like from New Orleans rolling deep for a month together it was and it was pretty incredible it wow. was a really good crew you must have got some great photos out of that yes were you there, <laughs> were you there as a photographer photographer and I was lording over all the merchandise as well okay. so it was just non-stop what a it great was high energy show. And, but you know the naughty professor guys were like the like the breath of like chill cool air and you like leave whatever high energy moment you're in and go to their group and they're like what's up and you're like oh, <laughs> you're exactly who I needed to see right now. But Tank and the Bangers were huge there for five minutes. Are they still rolling along as they're definitely you know every step of the way picking up more and more fans right. and you know it's hard to gaining tell. speed along the way. It's, it's hard to tell from here in New Orleans. They're gone so often, yeah. which I think is pretty incredible. Um, and after being on the road with them, that they never stop thinking about. You might, I mean, the core of the band is born and raised here, you know, so they, I don't think it would be possible for them to stop thinking about New Orleans right. and their connection to it. But they are very aware of, of the, their, the legacy that they're carrying with them while they tour the, the world. And that's really cool Re- to see. Representing New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you're going to stay here? What's your plan? I'm here for the foreseeable future. I've got no plans to leave. Right. Um, are you stuck here now? Can no, you imagine, think, can you not imagine leaving? That's how I most of us ended up stuck. By the time you know my lifespan is coming to the tail end, that um, there's going to be some pretty major climate issues on anywhere that's on the coast. So we'll see how that goes. But are you thinking you're going to live long enough that you're going to be here when the <laughs> when the water's up <laughs> to knows? here for Red Street? Who knows? I mean, that's a long uh, again, way. Again, I have no idea, but I love it here, and I've got no plans to leave. All right, soon, so. Brent, are you staying now that you're back? Oh yeah, yeah. You guys have so you guys have this recording studio. Hey, who's calling you? Anybody good? <laughs> um, I've got an event tonight actually for the Sexism Project. So I've got guests and team members and oh, people in the space going. texting me, but it's all good. What are you doing tonight? Are you are it's you recording it? No, it's a private dinner for all the subjects of the project thus far. And we're just getting together for like snacks and alcohol and just hanging and So all these women who were the strippers and hookers and everybody are all gonna be in the same along place. Along with the music industry women. But you know they're they're wow. they're they're just women too, you know. Yeah. 
But that's an interesting bunch of people. That's an interesting networking opportunity. It's going to be really interesting. Um, I mean, definitely networking can happen at any point in this city with anybody. But Where are you going, all you people? It's going to be at the Art Garage. But like I said, it is private. We're going to have more public (laughs) events soon. So not that we don't want everyone there, but it's something special for the subject. I'm interested in this whole thing that you're doing. We've got to get the hell out of here. But just briefly before we go. What is the plan with the sexism project? I mean, first of all, you've done musicians and people in the sex industry. Who, who are the next bunch of women? Who well, you we are after? actually going to be announcing the um, next industry that we'll be featuring very soon. Um, okay, so you can't tell. I us. can't tell you right now. Okay, let's have a guess. But it is something that's very, you know, like music and sex work. It's something that is inherently tied to New Orleans culture. Um, so I'll leave you guys with that. But you know, what we big picture want to okay. be doing is focusing on a different industry with every installment of the project. So from there Any, we could go wanna, many different Tom, places. Tom, you want to guess what that would be? What section of women are tied to New Orleans? Well, would the come focus after on the industry, the industry that is okay. tied to the culture of New Orleans. The industry that's tied to the culture of New Orleans. Food. Would... Very good. <laughs> Food, okay. That is correct. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Okay, so we so got it in one. the service industry so will be right. right. Susan and her spawn. <laughs> All right. So that includes chefs and waitresses. Chefs, and waitresses, bartenders, you know, cater yeah. waiters. Essentially, if there is a woman or a female identifying individual who falls and feels they fall into whatever industry we are presenting and they, they feel like speaking, then they are welcome. And that is really cool. That is very cool. It's a very cool project. Thank you. And Tom, where do we get to see you in the near future? Oh, uh you know, I'm doing these Booker and Professor Longer and oh, then my regular great. gigs, but I'm very excited because I had an eight-year gig with Mashia Lake at Chikiwawa, and she moved out Cork, Ireland, but she's coming back for a week, and I have two gigs at Chikiwawa with her on oh, uh, December 2nd and January 2nd, so it's okay. going to be a great homecoming That is for good, her. and we'll yeah. see you two in December at the Booker birthday yeah, party yeah, at the Maple week, Leaf. Next week I got a Harry, the, Harry Shear show and a Booker show and oh a loose cattle show and a, just all, <laughs> all these right. shows. So. And we've got a link to your stuff on our website. It's newrollins.com. I need well. to update that. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about all these tattoos, Brent, but we've run out of time, no so problem. we'll have to do that next time. Who did all these tattoos? Did you get them done uh, no, a guy, here uh, or New Orleans? In, in California, Angeles? yeah. A guy by the name of Steve Schultz in Costa Mesa. He's, uh, he's my tattoo guy. Who's, whose face is that? Is this is, like this is all like Mayan, Native American. Uh, right. It's actually a, a, a totem pole. Oh, wow. All sort of tied in together. It looks so, great. It looks super painful. Well, he's actually, he's like one of the better uh, black and gray tattoo artists in Southern California. Jack Schultz. So, uh, Steve Schultz. Steve Schultz. Change yeah. his name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that. Well, they'll get on to that man. next time. Thank you so much for being here. Katie Sakura, we've got a link to your stuff too on our website. It's neworleans.com. Andrew, it's been a hell of a 2018. It's Great all to see over. You, dude. Yeah, I mean, here we are. I guess yeah, onward. We have nothing to do for weeks now until 2019. Yeah. I just have to do tell you to the thank you very much to the people at Basic Swimming Gym. We can get a full ra- range of fashion swimsuits and workout and yoga clothes with style. Uh, Basic Swimming Gym is right next to the lingerie store, Basics underneath on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue. And thank you, too, to Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Go to H Destroyer. You should know about this, Katie. Go to hdestroyer.com. 
write happy hour in the coupon code and you can get 30% off of Hangover Destroyer. And you too can seize the dawn. And thank you also to the Positive Vibrations Foundation who create and encourage community through the development and preservation of the arts, music, culture and heritage. And once again, if you'd like to be a member of our Patreon family, go to patreon.com and search for It's New Orleans Happy Hour. And for as little as $1 a month, you too can be a member of our Patreon family and get all sorts of exclusive stuff. That's about it for 2018, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, Thank you. you for having Thanks, y'all. Happy holidays. This has been a great, yeah, happy holidays, everybody. We'll see you in 2019. The producer of our show is Graham DePonte. Our music producers are Christian Unruh and Monique Pyle. Thomas Walsh is our technical director. And Asher Griffith is our Facebook Live feed director who put this whole thing on Facebook Live. If you didn't see it on there the first time, go back and take a look at our It's New Orleans Facebook page. Our fact checker and social media connector is Andrew Searock. Searock, our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright for about an hour while drinking alcohol, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworleans.com. You can also check out many other hours of happy hour that we made previously, as well as other shows we make around here, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, Live from Commander's Palace, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker, and our award-winning podcast about death, which is called Death the Podcast. You can find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la. You can keep up with us on a bunch of time sucking social media, actually, like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook page and on our Instagram feed as well. On all of them, that they're called, we're called It's New Orleans. And uh, those photos were taken today by Jill Lafleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com if you listen to this on your favorite podcast app thank you for subscribing to us take a moment if you've got one to rate and review us that helps other people find us if you listen to us on Spotify you can follow us and get happy hours delivered to you each week our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans happy hours a production of I Know Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com for Andrew Duhon everyone around here at the table at Wayfair and back at our office at I Know thanks for joining us on happy hour it's been a hell of a 2018 we look forward to continuing things in 2019 Till then, I'll see you back here. I'm Grant Morris. I'll see you back here in about, what is it, three weeks? Four weeks. Oh, my God. See you then for more happy hours.